Well, Toronto has just passed their multiplex zoning bylaw, and I have today with me Marcel Grow from Renoshare. He is the founder and CEO, and he's going to just give us a bit of insight as to how this multiplex zoning bylaw is going to impact his business. So welcome to Ontario Sweet Spot, Marcel. Tell me a little bit about, uh, about you and your business. Yeah, Ronald, thanks for having me. Uh, super excited to be here. Um, you know, there is, uh, we're living through exciting times where policy has finally caught up um, with what's necessary in the missing middle. And, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out in the, in the years ahead. Um, yeah, so just kind of getting back to myself, a bit about myself. Um, I mean, I've been, I've been in the investment world for, you know, 15, 20 years now. I don't want to age myself. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> let's just say 15. Young looking guy, man. No one would know you're more than 22, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're too kind. You're too kind. Um, but I started off, um, you know, I uh, when I first started, I was really fortunate. I'm a people person and connected really well with my first boss um, when I went into the world of advertising after graduating from university. Gave me this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it really turned kind of uh, my whole educational thinking on its head, right? Because it was kind of like I thought I had to run out and climb the ladder and make as much money as possible in, in eight hours a day, right? Yeah, nine to five. That's, that's your job time. And that's where, you, that's where you shine. Where this thing was like kind of like gave me this philosophy of, no, you, you're, you buy assets. Your assets create cash flow. And the cash flow determines your life, right? Your lifestyle. So, um, so this is what I picked up and, um, I went at it and I said, by the time I'm 30, I want to be retired, meaning the cash flow that I'll generate from the assets that I bought would be greater than my expenses. Wow. And, um, I'll sit on a beach all day long. And, um, <laughs> this is, kind of, this was the impetus. Um, and this mm -hmm. was, um, really that chapter of my life. It was about creating freedom. It was about creating freedom to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it because I was not a good employee, right? I was, <laughs> I was always an entrepreneur at heart, and um, that's what I learned really early. So, um, yeah, fast forward, you know, achieved that goal by 31. Um, I went out, bought a number, you know, started buying these multiplexes, and I was a real estate entrepreneur before entrepreneurship was cool and bought a lot of them using a strategy called joint ventures. We can talk about that later. Um, basically, other people's money. And, um, and uh, yeah, I was able to quit my job, you know, by around 31 and went into the business full time, started a brokerage. Um, fast forward to today, um, you know, that brokerage turned into an asset management company. We ran a private mortgage fund. We started to do development projects where we would buy, assemble properties, take them through the entitlement process or rezoning, more commonly known as rezoning, and then sell those projects to builders. Um, then COVID hit, you know, the majority of my portfolio we, we, we sold. And as I was looking for the next chapter, um, next chapter was really about innovation. It was about, you know, how does innovation tie into real estate? And um, what is the future of real estate, right? There are a lot of problems, inefficiencies um, in what we do just because it's such an old legacy business where people have tunnel vision, they have their head down, they're making so much money, there's no need to take your head up to look at what the problems are. You just keep barreling through. 
Well, technology, as you know, today, you know, AI and everything else is changing that a lot faster and it's time to take a look up. And this is what, this is what I started to do and started to innovate and hence RenoShare. And just quickly, you know, Cole's notes on RenoShare, really what it is, is we're trying to affect the renovation um, industry, help contractors and investors and eventually homeowners um, renovate more efficiently um, and effectively save time and costs. Um, there's a group buying component. So, you know, you can group buy heat pumps, you can group buy, um, mm -hmm. you know, kitchens and bathrooms, yes. or, or you can buy the entire renovation in a box um, and, um, and, and bulk buy that based on your style and preference of color. So really creating efficiencies and, and time savings and um, the power of group buying or bulk purchasing power um, democratizing that to to homeowners, investors, and and general contractors. Hey, you know what? Gotta tell you, that's amazing. I think the work that you have done, where you have come from, how you have developed and grown into the entrepreneur that you are, and the inv innovation that you're bringing to the marketplace today, I think is really inspiring. And we need more futurist people, the people that are thinking about the future, that's want to bring innovation because. You may or may not know, construction is one of the most ineffective and inefficient industries out there. And even though there are technologies, there are technologies today that exist, like 3D laser scanning. There's modeling technology, so design softwares. There's all different type of, of on-site scanning robotics and stuff like that. And many contractors are just not even willing to go through that curve of learning how to implement some of these things. So I really appreciate what it is you're bringing to the marketplace. But And we're going to dive into a lot of those details there because you said a lot. And I know the listeners will want to hear more about your investing experience. And not to mention, we, I want to learn more specifically about your Red or Share program. But before we actually move on to that, I want to actually say we're going to run our Riverside segment. And in our Riverside, I just want to you to, you know, relax. Just talk a little bit about who you are. I want listeners to know who you are. And of course, I'll be doing some learning and taking some notes in the background. So here's going to be my first question to you, my friend. What advice would you give to your young, younger self and why? Oh, fantastic question. Um, I, I would say, Ronald, the advice I would give to my younger self is um, really uh, look at the big picture. Um, I think for me, when I was, you know, when I was young, I was, you know, full of energy and, 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 um, and, and kind of really focused on, you know, a particular goal or task, but like, really, I think having a sight of that bigger picture, um, you know, meaning, and I don't like to use the word balance because I, you know, I've, you know, I don't believe balance truly exists, but, but, um, but really just that bigger picture and, and, um, you know, keeping that invigorating energy towards your goals and aspirations and, and you know, just keep that going. Um, but, but, but keep the context bigger picture, um, meaning, you know, family, friends, hobbies, like you can do them all. It doesn't have to be just one thing. Um, so that, that, would be the, that would be the advice. I agree with you. In fact, you know, you're, you're a whole person. You're not just a real estate investor or an entrepreneur, right? You're a whole person. So you want to definitely incorporate that. And I think a lot of people, including myself to some degree, 
sort of shy away and hide the fact that I am actually a whole person. I have a family. I do business. You know, I have a, a life outside of business. So when I shut my doors nine to five, or maybe I should say nine to nine, right? When be after that time, like I, I then have other things that I focus on. And I really like what you said about balance because I am a big proponent of that work-life balance is, is, is actually a, a misnomer. You know, it's a, it's a myth. Because they really can't be balanced. In fact, I will say this. Balance. When something isn't balanced, it is actually unstable. Think about that uh, that scale, right? Like that. It's, it's actually off balance. But it, it, it could be off balance or it could be balanced. So really, it's better you're doing one thing all in or you're not, right? So in family or you're all in business, right? And then with that, when you're not doing family, you're doing business, right? So um, that work-life balance thing can be very complex and confusing, I think, for many people trying to figure that out. So thank you for sharing that there, Marcel. Now, I have a second question. We're going to run through this here, right? So what is your most pivotal, pivotal experience in the past that contributed to your present day activities? My most pivotal, I, I, I would say quitting my job. It was, it was you know, like, and, 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 you know, we laugh now, but like, if I take myself back to that moment, like, mm-hmm. think about it for many people who may be watching this, this podcast here, um, you know, you're comfortable, you may be making your six figures. Mm-hmm. Like I never even made six figures. Um, but um, kind of like, you know, there, there's a lot of comfort in that. And, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to trust yourself, um, take that risk, um, at that point in your time where, if you think about it, what do you, re- when you're that young, you know, what do you really have to use, to lose, sorry, right? Um, what was my worst case, right? And I, and I did this analysis in my head. It was like, okay, I quit my job. I go try and do this, real, continue this real estate thing full time. And let's just say I fall on my face. I could just go back and get another job, right? In six months. Or what's my worst, worst case? I go work at McDonald's and become the manager, right? Right? So, so, so I think, um, you know, when, when I did that, it, it required a lot of courage. Um, and, you know, people watching that, this video may be thinking, yeah, I got to go quit my job. And, you know, it was, it was you know, I'm, I'm talking about it now, but it was very planned out. Like, it was very strategic. I had to have, I had to be generating at least three times the amount of cash flow I needed so it wasn't like a break-even cash flow analysis. Like I was conservative. I did 3X, right? So when I quit, you know, even though I didn't tell my mom and, you know, and, and, my, and my dad at that time, because um, they would think I'm crazy. Why are you quitting your, you know, your good downtown paying advertising job to do this entrepreneur thing? Um, it, was, it was very thought out. Um, but it still required a lot of courage because there was, there was comfort in a paycheck. And yes. To wake up the next morning and not have a, a you know a paycheck coming um, was scary. That's right. right. Um, so. I completely agree with you. In fact, you know, I would say to most people, I say, listen, if you don't face the fear now, you'll have to face the regret and the yeah, regret. Exactly. Fearful. Yeah. And, and and that's a, that's a great point, right? Like like you know, you you go through life and you don't ever want to re- say that you. The worst thing is to say you. I would have, should have, could have, right? Like, just go and do the thing right like there's 
it's not that bad. There's no, you know, result that can be that bad if you go and try something that you're truly passionate about. Great passion. If you don't have a passion, stay at your day job, people. Please do not leave your day job because this is going to just lead to horror and terror and a lot more fear. You have to be passionate about something because if you're not, and just like, you know, your 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 parents and siblings and so forth or friends may have discouraged you from that because they didn't realize the passion that you had. And the right. passion yeah. is, is more potent than the plan yeah. because plan can move, but the passion got to be consistent, right? Passion's got to be consistent. And, and, and also as well, I would say, you know, we're in a different time, right? As yeah. well, yeah. Um, in, in fairness, right? Like our yeah. parents' generation, you know, had a lot of setup to do. Right? Yeah coming here as immigrants to, you know, to, to, to this, um, to this land. Um, That's right. And, um, you know, there, there was a lot of setup and, you know, from, you know, past issues that, that had to be repaired. So to oh, pave man. the way now we've now, you know, the new generation has an even more opportunistic and you can see, you know, a lot of these, um, you know, students coming out of universities and, and colleges are, right into entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Right. So, um, you know, we, we, we have to, we have to realize still that the pathway that was paved by our, right. by our parents. Right? And that's the thing. We are no man's an island and we are actually standing on the shoulders of giants. So by no means, you know, I would not be here if it wasn't for my mom and my dad figuratively and literally. Right. So absolutely. We certainly pay our respects and dues to the generation that has gone before us. Right. And uh, because they had definitely they were always thinking, even today, I'm a dad and you are a dad as well. Right. But I'm always thinking, like, how can I pave the way for my sons? And even I may go even further than that and say, how do I pave the way for my children, children, children? generation? Know? Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, At that's, least that's, set that's, them up. So that's really powerful that you mentioned there. And I mean, now we're getting into what it is the, the, the whole I want to wrap this kind of this Riverside segment up and, you know, we just kind of talked about what experience and you mentioned the experience that really was the most pivotal was you leaving a job. But what I want to know now is what aspect of your life really empowers you the most today? And this is more, let's get to know Marcel a little more outside of the office. Yeah, 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 for sure. I, I, you know, I would say, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big believer in, in God. Um, yeah. You know, Good. I, um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm churchy, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm definitely a big believer in, in, yes. in God. And, um, you know, I, uh, I, I, I do go to a, a, a super awesome church called Surf City, big up, shameless plug. Um, and, um, you know, that, 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 you know, that, that really grounds what I do. Cause at the end of the day, there are trials and tribulations and obstacles that you face and it's kind of like, sometimes you don't know how you're going to get through them, right? Like I, all the time, right? Like, you know, and then it's not just in business, it's outside of business, it's life. Um, and, um, you know, you, you don't want to be the one only calling on God when it's desperate times, right? That's, um, you know, like for, for me, it's, for me, it's, it's calling on and thanking God you know, throughout, right? Every day. Um, throughout. So when the desperate times come, you know, your, you know, your, your, your prayer deeds have been, um, are already in check, right? You're, you're, you're just, um, it's a renewal. So, um, so, so that's, that's super important. 
I think that's super important. That's um, that's at the the pinnacle. Um, there, you know, you know, from that, I, I would I would come down and I would say, you know, family is super important to me. I'm um, I'm, I'm a family guy, both you know, immediate and 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 those that are surrounding me. Um, you know, I'm always. I always want to make sure they're okay and in the back of my mind. And, and this could be, you know, one of those things that, you know, maybe holds me back a bit, but in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking about, you know, family and even close friends within my circle that, you know, how are they doing? Are they okay? And do my best to try to reach out as much as possible. And even throughout a busy schedule. And um, I think the one thing I realized, you know, and I think, you know, I really, really realized this through COVID is I'm, I'm a, I'm a big people person as much as I, like to you know get you know uh, as much as i like to you know kind of dig in and do certain things on my own like in my own time like painting or cycling or um you know maybe i'm you know go down the rabbit hole on the internet researching something um at the end of the day i'm a, I'm a, I'm a big people person i get energy from people um, engaging with them and being around them and and that is um you know part of my strength that i that i have that i've have in business, which I didn't know I had, um, only actually realized that recently and that, you know, realized that through COVID. So, um, yeah. Just completely amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I'm sure a lot of people sort of hide behind their faith and you don't, but you know what? That's what sh it shows in your whole life. It shows, it shows actually on camera. In fact, you know, you seem to be a happy, well-rounded person and the truth be told, most people may or may not think of it in this way. But business is spiritual, right? Business is spiritual. We are defined by our works, but that work is actually fulfilled by the faith, right? So um, that's really important. I myself am a believer, and I, I function like that. I try to live my life like that. So I appreciate you sharing that on the show here today. Um, so make sure that you guys certainly take some wisdom from who Marcel is, because certainly it is it's going to help you become a better person in general. Um, but what I want to talk about here today is this multiplex zoning bylaw, right? This multiplex zoning bylaw is really, it really has come and changed the landscape of what it is we can expect going forward in the city of Toronto for homeowners, investors, for contractors. And of course, you uh, kind of fit all of those. So you're a citizen of Toronto. You're, you're, I want to say developer in Toronto, right? but you're also a, a, real, a real estate investor in Toronto. So tell me, how do you think this, um, this multiplex zoning bylaw will sort of resolve some of the market or housing crisis that we're expecting or experiencing right now in Toronto? Yeah, yeah, no, great question, um, Ronald, and, and um, quite timely. So, you know, right now we're, we're in a crisis, a housing crisis, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, we've got, you know, people that are giving up on on purchasing homes, right? Um, and we've got this kind of, you know, this, you know, real house price versus like disposable income gap that's growing, right? Um, and um, and it's tougher, getting tougher and tougher to get into the market. Um, but at the same time, home ownership offers a lot of um, great things for people and family you know, security, stability, ability to generate wealth, um, and, you know, ability to hand something off um, for, for, for the next generation, right? And we see that, you know, people that are the powers that be, that, you know, chances are they would have had a bit of a leg up maybe 
inheritance or whatever from you know their grandparents or grandparents grandparents maybe land or whatnot and you can see that that kind of gives you you know that gives them a head start um in the game of life in, in at least in, at least in today's terms so super important i think um home ownership um for people and um this multiplex is this multiplex this kind of this new policy that's come in place is a great opportunity and i'm, I'm going to look at it from two angles um for the investor um, and then for the homeowner. Let's talk about the homeowner first, because I think that's more important and that's kind of a big part, a big part of what I'm focusing on. I think for the homeowner, this offers a, a great opportunity to now get in and live maybe in the city that you grew up in or like within Toronto, right? Um, you don't necessarily have to move way, way out to the burbs and have trouble maybe transporting back to um, your job if it's in the city. That's right. So the, the, way this, the way this kind of works out is you can now go and maybe you gather a bunch of friends or maybe it's um, a few generations of family. Mm -hmm. and you guys can come together, um, you know, you buy something, maybe it's a fixer upper um, or maybe it's an existing. Like I just saw a deal the other day that's already a triplex. Yeah. My desk and it was like just over a million bucks, right? So, um, I mean, that may sound like a lot in Toronto that's, pretty much the price of a detached home. That's actually below the average price of a yeah. detached home. Um, that would be a great opportunity for maybe three families or three generations or three siblings or three friends to band together, pool their resources and get into the market. Um, and this property had an opportunity to build a laneway or sorry, a garden suite in the back because it was, it had the depth. Um, I really appreciate you mentioned that. And I, I wanted to take the, the time here to just mention, of course, I'm here right now with Marcel Grow from Renoshare. He's the founder and CEO of this startup, which is actually helping real estate investors, homeowners and contractors make more efficient use of uh, resources in construction when they're doing renovation. And we're talking right now about this multiplex. And what I want to say here is multiplexes are not just for contractors or investors. And you just mentioned it. It solves a lot of problems. One being aging, aging in place. Two being multi-generational. Yeah. And three being just people who have lived in Toronto, grew up in Toronto, but can't afford properties in Toronto. Anyone had to move to the suburbs. So those are three categories of citizens that will certainly reap the benefit of this new multiplex uh, zoning binaural. So I know you, you just mentioned this, right? So tell me a little bit about this here. What is the feasibility? Like which property? You just talk about a bungalow. So I want to dive a little bit into that. Let's get into some details because people want to know some details here. As the best of your knowledge, like which property you think is the most feasible type of property to convert into these multiplex, multiplex units? Yeah, so there's, there's, there's two types that I like. Um, I think for, you know, personally for me, mm -hmm. I like the kind of the worst property on the best street, right? Um, and that's usually that, you know, that little bungalow, maybe it's a post-war bungalow um, that, you know, maybe already has a, a side entrance for basement. I look at, I, for me, I look at um, a certain frontage and a certain depth. Um, so I kind of like that minimum prefer, you know, I prefer a detached. I'm okay with semis as well. With detached, I, I like that minimum 25 foot um, um, frontage and kind of 125 depth um, and the opportunity for parking, right? Usually I'm in an area that's pretty dense 
Um, um, so this is why I say the opportunity for parking, whether it exists already or if it's an actually true shared driveway. There's a lot of, you know, um, uh, listings that say, yeah, parking in the back. Then you you show up and you look and there's there's maybe two feet between the homes, right? It's like, how am I getting a car? Like, this is not a horse and carriage, right? Um, so so those are the those are the ones I like, and I I I really like this strategy of. Um, you know, being able to get something and fix it up, and and I, I I call it the the long slow redevelop, right? Where you can, yeah. So 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 this is you know this is kind of like you find that property and it's super rough, and to most people maybe it's junky, maybe it's dirty, maybe it's moldy, but the bones are good in general, um, and it's got the potential to redevelop, right? Given the the the, the minimum um, dimensions I mentioned with the parking and and all the other and all the other factors, transportation, all that stuff. Um, but this is something where, you know, you don't have to tear it down day one. As a matter of fact, um, you know, really, really kind of leaning in on, on how to redevelop and these, these types of things without having to tear them down entirely, right? Like how much can we, you know, is it top up, whatever. Um, addition. Um, so really, the, you know, these are properties, can you give it a little cosmetic um, and rent it out in the interim while you might be going through um, your process, your thought process of redevelopment. Um, you know, so this is this is this is one strategy that I like. Um, just, otherwise, you can just kind of go for it. But my challenge right now with just going for it is, you know, planning hasn't caught up with, you know, the policy yet. Yes. And, you know, there's still going to be a bit of a backlog. It's not just kind of like, hey, I, I bought a property. Here you go. Here are my plans. Planning. That's right. Can you stamp them and away I go in three days. Yeah. That, that's not happening yet. We're so what, what do you see as being the solution to that? I mean, there, there, there are some things being shown around, but let me, let me, let me park that one, put a pin in it. I got, I got, I got some ideas on that. I got some ideas on that. Well, um, I think you got, some, you, you got me salivating now. I really, what, what do you think is, is a reasonable solution to this, this type okay, of, you want to, you want to jump into this now? Okay. All right. So, so really, really what we, what we what we need to do is you know follow what's been done in in different parts of the U.S. Right? Mm, okay. California's done this well. Yeah. Um, and 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 really, what we need to get to is this this kind of standardized, um, almost kind of like approved plan um, that you know the city, um, you know that that you know that would go to the city and it meets all the parameters. And the city just literally needs to know, okay, stamp it. So it's the, let's just call it the Ronald plan, right? Um, the Ronald plan, right? We know, we know your skill set, Ronald, right? So, so, you know, um, I, I bought this bungalow in East York and, you know, it, you know, I, I, I pull out the Ronald plan and I literally take that plan and I go to the city and it's like, here you go, city, I'm building the Ronald plan. The Ronald plan is you know, four units in the main building with an option to build a garden or a laneway. Um, yep, looks good. We know the Ronald plan stamp, away you go. Um, and, and this has got to happen fast. This can't take six months, right? Um, the, the, um, the margins on these projects are skinny. You, you know that, Ronald, right? The, the margins are skinny. Um, so, you know, we can't be sitting around six months to a year to wait for approvals, you know, to build a fourplex, right? Um, it, it just doesn't work. So there needs to be some sort of standardization um, with, with the plans. Now, if we're worried about, you know, building these cookie cutter things that may be considered 
ugly or out of date, then why not change that plan up, you know, ever so often? So maybe it's every year or every six months. And why not invite the international community or the community of designers and architects and, and whoever else feels they want to throw their hat in the ring to, to create these things, right? Um, and, um, and choose the best one. And, 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 you know, and, and, and make it hit the standards. And if you want to take it further, um, let's talk about, you know, creating these things in a net zero fashion, right? With an option, right? With optionality. Um, because ultimately, that's where we need to go, right? So, so these, are, these are some thoughts. And, you know, we've, we've got some ideas on how to do that and some, some plans we're working on, you know, from a, from a marketing perspective and, and um, you know, competitions that we're thinking of that, that, that may bring about these types of, um, you know, creative, creative schemes, right? Marcel, you are definitely one of the sharpest minds I've actually chat with concerning solutions related to multiplex conversions and, and how it is we can resolve some of these challenges. But there's one particular challenge that comes up all the time, and you sort of mentioned it, is that how do we actually get in to even ownership in Toronto? Properties are not, they're not very cheap. They're, in fact, they're very expensive compared to other, other sort of uh, cities, surrounding cities and municipalities. Now, with that said, how do you think owners, property owners or future property owners can come by capital? Is there a, is there a means to do that today? Because I do know you have a financial background as well, right? So talk, let's talk a little bit about how, how, what are some capital or, or financing facilities that might be available or becoming available? I think what people just have to do is, um, you know, in this market, you got to be creative, right? Like it's, it's no longer, you know, like you can't, you know, have $25,000 and go buy a house anymore, right? Like you, you need a hundred grand. So where do you get that 75 grand? Well, like be creative if you really want it, right? It, it's out there. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and this is one of the things like I believe to be really important. Of course, you must, your net work is basically equivalent to your net worth. And it's really important to surround yourself with knowledgeable people like Marcel. Again, Marcel Gruel from Renoshare founder and the CEO. He's talking about the multiplex, uh, Toronto multiplex approval that just happened. And, you know, I wanted to just throw a little bit of facts in here, right? Because there's a lot of things that happen and, and you, you know what I do. And a lot of people who have been listening and know what I do. So I'm a BCI designer and I actually, you know, do a lot of these type of, I call it suitable reviews to see if a property can actually be converted to two, three or four unit dwellings. So let's, a multiplex really is a property that has two, a duplex, three, a triplex or four, a fourplex, four units, right? So Toronto is now allowing that. So what are some of the requirements? Well, you have to make sure that they're what what they're classifying as a long lot and a large lot and a small lot, right? So that that is a classification that they're looking at, and of course it's within the zoning bylaw. Um, they're also looking at the height of the building. Height of the building is now you can go up to ten meters in height. That's almost thirty plus feet, right, of height. So you can easily add up to four stories, right, to a bungalow. And, of course, you now can extend the depth of the property depending on whether it's a large lot or a medium-sized lot or a small lot, up to 19 feet. 
So, and you can add a garden suite. So really and truly, they approved a fourplex multiplex bylaw, but the, it still stands that you can add a laneway home or a garden suite. Now, you are in the business. You are actively engaging with clients daily and talking to clients, not only owners, but contractors, as well as investors. Like, what have you seen people kind of leaning towards? What are some of the questions that you are sort of receiving right now? Yeah, no. So lots of people want to know the feasibility. So how, you know, this might pencil out. So someone may have a property um, and it's kind of like, well, what's possible here? Right. Um, you know, what can I do? Um, so a lot, a lot of people looking to figure out like what's possible, what's my highest, we call it highest and best use. Right. Um, so how can I maximize this property? Out? Um, obviously financing is still a huge challenge. So, you know, how do I get this financed? Right. That's still a, a massive challenge for people. And I would, I would say if I were to rank two biggest problems, you know, in, in real estate, um, at least this small scale real estate, and you can probably even liken it to large scale. Um, I would say it's financing and execution. And um, outside of that, a lot of a lot of questions and queries into what are the costs of these things, right? So if I was to buy this bungalow um, or buy the two and a half story um, property that's kind of already cut up, which I didn't talk about, um, those are another type of property I like. I like that already cut up for you, right? Usually basement apartment, main floor, and then upper usually has one unit plus a half, right? Um, so lots of those already exist in Toronto, though they're already suited, so to speak, may not be legal, um, um, but uh, those exist. And, you know, you can find those and, you know, maybe give them a bit of, once again, cosmetic and get them to a legal status. Um, a lot of the work is done for you. You know, plumbing is already run up and all that kind of stuff, right? So um, those, are, those are great properties as well. And, you know, th that next big question is how do you execute these on budget, right? People are just like, what, like, what do you do? And um, there's, a, there's a huge fear around working with contractors because there's so much, vari you know, there's so many variables. So many things can go wrong. Um, it's one of the reasons I actually, in my development business, I stayed, I, 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 I call it, I kept my hands clean. I didn't, I didn't get into construction of, of big buildings and, and, you know, underground parking and all that. Cause it was, you know, when I, <laughs> when I learned about the variability on my first project, it was kind of like, it was mind blowing. Um, you know, like a little bit about that because I'm sure people want to hear, most people don't realize, like I, I say that converting a single family home into a multiplex is not like adding a powder room. So, but I want like why don't you dive into some of the huge challenges, the sleepless nights that you had on on some of your major uh, land assembly and development projects? You yeah, would... I, I would say okay. So uh, <laughs> let, let's let's just let's just put something out here. Let, let's yeah. just make a bit of a caveat here, right? So there's there's a big difference between renovating something to a duplex or a fourplex, like yeah. when I say something like a single family or a semi-detached, um, versus you know, development, you know, cre creating a mid-rise building or maybe, uh, you know, a, a townhouse project or, or, or a tower for that like, right? Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll, talk, I'll talk first about the development side, right? Like, you want to lose your shirt, like, you, you go into, like, development and not be ready, not have enough cash, right? Like, yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll lose your shirt. Um, duplex, fourplex, you know, it, it'll be stressful. You may not lose your entire shirt, maybe half, maybe just a sleeve or 
<laughs> you can cut the sleeves off, right? Um, <laughs> but but so like one one of the biggest challenges with the with the larger scale development stuff that that I saw in some of my early projects was you, know, you, you get into this variability with with construction, right? And and construction is a is a beast of a thing when it comes to that. And, and you know one of the biggest things is the underground parking, right? It's just this. It's this mythological void that no one really seems to be able to give you an answer to. Um, <laughs> you know, you got to talk to this person and that person and that person, and then you kind of kind of bring it all together, and then you know, go to your cost consultant and, and get them to map it out. And that even still, that's just an estimate because you know you don't know if you got to do this or not. Um, you know, shoring versus all this stuff. So, so it's just this kind of void that it's super expensive, like just for you know adding another layer down. Um, that it just throws the feasibility of these projects. And, you know, with the parking requirements that most of these projects have, um, you know, they're, it's, it, they're kind of known, you know, these mid-rise projects, while they, you know, some of these buildings are beautiful and they're nice kind of boutique buildings, they're kind of known as one and dones. you know, you kind of do one of them and, and that's it. Um, you know, I've seen countless, you know, newbies and, and even like kind of mid-size um, developers kind of, you know, like fold up shop, you know, and some good, you know, good people, like really good business, just, you know, the market adjusts, whatever, like some small fluctuation that's outside of your control, interest rates go up with financing, like you're out of the game, right? You're out of the game, your, your margins, you just won't cut it. Um, and when you're out of the game in that game, like your shirt, you're up, shirt's gone, right? Um, going back to, you know, duplex, triplex, fourplex, like, first of all, super liquid, right? The amount of people that can buy a single family or a semi detached home that's even half done in Toronto, like, you know, you can get out, you'll be able to get out and at least pay the bank back. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll lose a bit of your equity, yeah. but at least you got out and you can pay the bank back, right? No yeah. one's coming after you. Um, that's not the case with yeah, with a mid rise tower, right? So, so there, you know, there's a big difference there, and 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 I, you know, really caution people, you know, like with depending on you know your cash flow situation, or maybe you have mommy and daddy money, and that's fine. You can run and go and do these. these mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. If you don't, and you're you know maybe using investors' money and it's your first time, like start small, start with a duplex, you know, maybe triplex, fourplex, maybe get something that's already has the units, and and just do a reno on it. Right, mm -hmm. a retro, right, a retrofit. retrofit and, yeah, a retrofit. Mm -hmm. We talk about the three R's, right? Yes. Um, and um, yeah, do the do the retrofit, get it to legal status, and and then move on and and, and kind of cut your teeth that way, right? So okay. that, that would be my advice. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you meant you mentioned obviously a lot. I do agree with you. I think it is a myth, and basically only the true experts who are doing high rises understand like what's happening underground because you're dealing with infrastructure, you're dealing with bedrocks, you're dealing with just rocks overall. And there is like the Altus group, they have their pricing guidelines that they put out. It does not include the basement. The basement does not include the venue. Exactly. And, and you didn't even talk about like, uh, you know, I, I had, I, you know, I had projects where we had to deal with like underground water. Right. And, and like, what do you do now? Do you bathtub your base, your, your parking lot? And you know, you, you know what the costs are right? or, or do you pump, you know, do you pump the water? Um, it, like there's just so many variables. 
Well, you know what? I, I, I'm glad that you brought that up. And, you know, we talked about the three hours, right? And for anyone listening in here, you do have the ability to choose between one or three options when you're converting a single family home into a duplex, I will say. This will not apply to a fourplex in Toronto simply because it, Toronto never had fourplex zoning bylaws. But what it is I will say is that um, you basically can do one, a full renovation. That's the first hour. The second hour will be a retrofit. So if you found a property that's already renovated, all the space is already defined, you may just need to meet fire separation. You still need a building permit, but you can just simply layer to using the additive method to meet all the fire separation requirements for a building permit application. And then of course, the third hour would be the review. As I mentioned, the review process is where it is you have a non-legal, non-conforming property. You purchase that property. All you need to do now is essentially file documentation. So you'll have to have a fire inspection, an ESA inspection, and some sort of affidavits proving that this was operated as a plex before. So those are the three hours that we talked about. So I just wanted to kind of give, I know we kind of talked about it. This is our inside little secret here. But I want to talk about this because you talked about the underground stuff and how that's expensive. We also talked about just in general, these properties are not going to be, this is not a small reno. So I talk about this and ask you the question like do you think these multiplexes in toronto is going to is going to solve the affordability uh, uh issue as well as the housing crisis yeah so great great question so let's let's look at let's look at the let's look at this theory right so if we if we have let's just say we have a hundred people so we've got a supply shortage right bill 23 1.5 million homes in 10 years right Probably about what is that like 187,000? Yeah, a, a year, right? That we'd have to we'd have to create. So we've got a supply shortage. We can't just rely on high rise. We need to look at this, you know, the what we call the yellow belt, right? To to add some of that supply or, or take on some of that burden. Um, and 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 the great thing about the yellow belt is, or more commonly known as the missing middle, is. Um, you know, if a hundred of us were to add one unit, right, whether it's a basement, whatever, garden, laneway, or maybe just an addition on top, right, um, you know, we could get that done in 12 to 18 months, you know, maybe not 12 for most of us, but let's just call it 18 months, okay? <laughs> you're start, it's not going to be 12 months if you're starting out, right? Maybe, maybe you and I. Um, but if we were to look at, you know, adding 100 or 200 units in high rise or mid rise, like from land acquisition to like occupancy, that could be five to seven years. We're, we're talking about a timing thing here, right? Like if we're if we're saying in, we're, we're in a crisis, well, a crisis needs things today, not five years from now. Five years from now, we've got different problems right? Um, that we have to address. So, you know, the, the missing middle has got a role. There's merit in, in really digging into this to figure out, you know, how do we, um, you know, create efficiencies, time savings um, with, with executing these things, right? And, 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 and really driving down the cost. Um, and there, and, there, and there's, there's another important angle. It's, it's the sustainability that no one's talking about, right? Um, people are only talking about sustainability with 
large office buildings and, and these large towers, right? Because um, that's where the big money is in these in getting contracts. But if you look at the majority of the real estate, I look outside my window here, majority of the real estate is low rise, right? It's mom and pop, you know, two, three story on the avenues, mixed buildings, you know, single families. Like, like how do we scale that side of things, right? Um, from a sustainability standpoint and this, you know, this whole kind of retrofit standpoint. And, and that's kind of really where, you know, with, with what we're doing with RenoShare, we're, we're leaning in there, right? You know, like, like, like just, you know, a quick example, like, you know, can we community buy heat pumps? Because heat pumps, if I bought one on my own, you know, even though it, 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 it can add great efficiency to my building, they're very expensive. But if there were 50 people in my community or a neighborhood buying them, you know, um, you know, can we, can they now become at parity with, with a furnace and I can kind of look at, look at offsetting that. Right. So, so these are some of the things, can we, can we purchase a renovation in a box? Meaning, you, mm -hmm. you know, we get one price, um, from our GC, mm -hmm. um, and that covers materials and labor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is how it works in the high rise world. It's called, mm -hmm. you know, fixed price contract. Um, and that's your price. Now you've got, you know, you're not like running back and forth to Home Depot, you know, changing this, changing that. Um, you pick your style up front. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you order your reno in a box um, through Reno Share. Your GC is approved. They know how to build these. You, you've worked with, with, with GCs that know how to build these things, Ronald, and GCs that don't know how to build these things. And, you know, invariably you're going to run into problems, especially when that inspector comes in and didn't use the right fire grade caulking, right? For the, for the separation or whatever it is, right? Um, so you need approved GCs that know how to build these things. Um, you got to take the variability out of materials and procurement. Um, and you got you to benefit from bulk purchasing, right? Like, you know, like here's the style that's on trend. Pick the two colors. Um, and that's what everyone gets. Now we all benefit from, you know, purchasing that, that, that style. And, and, you know, the next three, four months, the style will change and, and so on and so forth. Right. So, so this is, these are the things you kind of got to start to think about when we're looking to scale these, um, if we really want to make a, a, a dent or some positive impact in, in adding variability or adding supply, um, and then the one last thing, and, you know, just before we, we, we move on here is the unintended consequence. And I think a bit of time just to chat on that, it's the unintended consequence that, that, that I want to caution. So the unintended consequence is, you know, investors flood this stuff and they're already buying this stuff, right? So you can't stop the market, right? Um, and, you know, we start to convert all these singles and semis to fourplexes and maybe fives, right? Um, and, you know, they're all furnished now. And they're rented out on Airbnb. And now, <laughs> now a basement is $3,500, right? <laughs> so, so now it's, uh, what's that? Yeah, that's, you know, so there's a, there's a bit of an unintended consequence that we got we to gotta watch. And I think there's an opportunity here for policy, once again, to lean in and think about this, get ahead of this, right? And say, hey... You know, um, Marcel's and Ronald's of the world. If you created an affordable unit, you know, we're gonna add these additional incentives. 
So maybe we've got a four unit in the main building and I've got my gardener lane suite in the, in the rear. And maybe that basement suite, because that's going to be the, the most affordable just by virtue of um, the, the building stack, right? Maybe that basement suite is rent has to be rented at an affordable amount, right? The remaining of my units could be whatever. I could chop them up, you know, it could be unfurnished, furnished, whatever. Um, but, but if we did that, if we created that affordable unit in the basement, um, maybe there's some subsidies um, and, um, you know, forgiveness or, or, or special loans, um, you know, from Infrastructure Canada or the government or, or the Fed um, that could, you know, come into play for those specific units. Now, what we've created is something interesting. Now we've increased the supply, but we've also added an affordable unit mix. And it's not going to be everyone who do, does these. It's going to be, you know, you know, the people like you and I and the investors of the world that may consider this if the incentive program is beneficial enough. Right. And, and, it, and it kind of pencils out. So huge opportunity here for, you know, policy to really lean in and, and get ahead of this unintended consequence, because the market will do what the market needs to do. Right. If it costs me X, I'm buying the property at Y and it costs me X to build then I know I need to make Y in revenue, right? Um, and, and that's a matter of fact. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make as much revenue as possible because I know my costs are, right? And that's what the market will do. So huge opportunity here for, for policy and, and, the, and you know, the municipalities um, to lean in and really start to really think about this. There's, a, there's an opportunity here to create these affordable rentals um, and within this, within this um, new policy change. I would say that, yeah, the government still have some work, but it's a step in the right direction. Step in the right direction, 100%. In the right direction. I think more municipalities, we do work, design work in a lot of cities throughout Ontario. Ontario, definitely, Toronto, definitely leading the way, right behind Hamilton. And there's a lot of cities that are lagging, like significantly lagging behind with the approval process whether it be a budget or whatever that might be. But I do agree with you. There needs to be a more pro-housing philosophy sort of just entrenched in within these councils because uh, and these committees because this is what's going to actually provide housing. And I think, and I think I, I read this or heard this somewhere, so not necessarily my words, but it's really unfair to welcome 700,000 plus newcomers to Toronto or Canada without providing housing for them, right? At a reasonable rate, right? So affordability has to be at the top of the conversation, not only just the creation of these, but I also say um, there are three categories here. There's just Toronto and Ontario in general. We just need available housing, right? Yeah. Housing that's just available for purchase because there are people who make money and they just have no opportunity to actually get into housing. Right. Then there is a attainable housing. Right. So maybe slightly lower uh, tenant profile, but they need something to move into as they progress through life. And then you got the affordable housing, which is, you know, defined as 30 percent of your medium income and so forth. So we need to we first need to start with available and work our way through affordable. But affordable is important, especially when you're talking about newcomers. Most newcomers are going to have are going to have affordability needs and we need to be able to address that. So again, really, really grateful for you coming on the show here. 
and sharing your wisdom with us. I know there's a lot more that we can certainly dive into. Um, again, I'm talking here with Marcel Grow, founder and CEO of RenoShare, an innovator in the renovation space and construction space. You guys definitely need to reach out to him. So Marcel, how can people actually find you and reach out to you and connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we're doing our pilot right now. It's a great time with RenoShare. You can, you can log on. It's RenoShare.ca. Um, that's just as it sounds, RenoShare.ca. Um, or you can get me at Marcel at RenoShare.ca. Um, that's the email address. Um, you can hit me there. Um, or, you know, well, you know, you'll see me around at different conferences and, uh, you know, different real estate events. And um, this is a happy place for me, right? So, uh, so we'll, we'll see you. Absolutely. So before we go, I got to ask you three questions. So I'll just run these questions by you. This is what, this is what I'm calling our, our three, our times three questions. All right. So three questions. If you never heard about it, now you know. All right. So what advice would you give to an investor in Toronto trying to convert a multiplex three times? So uh, it, it all starts with your strategy, right? What, what, what's, what's, your, what's your purpose? Figure that out first. Like, you know, if you're running blind just to buy it because you're concerned with interest rates going up or down or, you know, your realtor says prices are going to go up in the spring or whatever, um, you're, you're not going to win. Um, this is a long game. Um, play the game long. If you're going to play the game long, understand your strategy. And it could be whatever it is. Maybe it's your first time buyer. Maybe you're trying to create cash flow, like kind of like my original strategy was. Maybe you just want to flip it and make, you know, 50 grand or whatever. Um, figure out what your strategy is and, and that'll help you determine, you know, where to go, right? Like if you're trying to, you know, get into the market in Toronto and you only have 50 grand, like maybe you should look elsewhere, right? Unless you involve joint ventures or whatever in your strategy, right? So, so really figure out your strategy and um and then stress test that that analysis right of, of amazing absolutely stress tested did banks are doing it then i think it makes sense that we all should do it stress test strategy love it i love it now second question here my friend this one is a tricky one so you gotta you gotta slow down here i know you have a quick brain let's see here so you got <laughs> <laughs> so here choose a letter in the alphabet so choose a letter in the alphabet Right? You think of a letter right now? Yeah, okay. okay. Give me three words that start with that letter that describes who you are. The, the three words have to start with the same letter or could, could it be a different letter? Okay, you give me three different, three different letters. I, I, I would pick, um, I, would, I would say, you know, definitely the letter T. Uh, for me, um, trusted, that's always, that's always been something that I, that I want to be um, known and kind of valued as. as. Um, I would say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to switch it up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use three different letters. So I'm going to say F, um, so forward. So I'm, so I'm very like forward thinking, solution oriented. Um, so, so it's kind of like, you know, I, I don't dwell on, you know, um, you, know, you know, why can't I? It's, it's kind of how, how can I, right? Um, and then, and then um, the 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 last I would say, oh man, what, what would be the last word? Um, I, I, th I think I think I think I'd use the letter E, um, energy. Um, 
you know, just kind of, uh, you know, playing on, you know, um, kind of gone down the rabbit hole on sustainability, but, you know, everything is energy. Everything is energy. Um, and um, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm very energetic. Um, I, like I said, this is, this is a happy place for me. So, you know, you're going to get my energy. Um, do things that give you energy, right? Figure out what that is, right? I, I, I talked earlier about, you know, being around people, not everyone, but the people that I like to be around, you know, give me energy. So, um, you know, like that, that's something that's important. I think you, you're not going to, you're not going to be successful in whatever it is you're doing if you don't give it energy, right? Um, so, so, so there you go. I switched it up on you, but that's, that's my stuff. Yeah, I can't. Say, Marcel, I mean, that's great, by the way. Energy, I have definitely gotten from you from the moment that I met you till even today. And I'm sure we'll be doing a lot more and certainly collaborating on a lot more with a lot of energy. Now, final question here, and as we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this out, would be what movie or book have you watched three or more times in the past? Movie or book three or, three or more times. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, I would say um, book, definitely, uh, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, read that a few times. Um, it's a little old school, but you can... <laughs> You know, considering our context today, um, but um, you can definitely pull some nuggets out of that um, movie. Uh, you know, the most watched movie for me is uh, it's an old school movie. It's called Conan the Barbarian. I don't know if you know Arnold Schwarzenegger. What do you mean, Arnold? <laughs> I love that movie. I, I used to my 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 uh, my parents used to tell me we used to watch that over and over again, like you know, back in the days. Ben, listen, I, I love it. You know what? I, I think um, that's a great movie and a, a great book, by the way. Um, I actually blew quite a number of thousands of dollars on um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad series. I still have all those books. Those are the first books that taught me about financial literacy. And I've come a long way from them, but I still turn back to them. So I always think of the quadrants, right? So um, yeah, uh, super important. Man, I got to tell you, this was just such a, an amazing and engaging conversation. You definitely brought the energy. Again, I'm talking with Marcel Bro, founder and CEO of Renault Share. Uh, Marcel, it was a real pleasure chatting with you, my friend. I hope we can do this again. Ronald, be well. I appreciate I'm honored to be on your show and uh, appreciate you having me anytime, bro. Thank you. All right. Take care, man.